Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Oh my goodness me! What a fantastic goal! What a goal! That is absolutely superb! Huge cheers go up around Emirates Stadium. Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast for the week of Monday, the 12th of February 2018. I'm your host, Russell Hargreaves. Coming up on today's show, we speak to our Super 6 Academy debutants from this season. Adrian Clark is back at the chalkboard to look ahead to what is a huge game against Ostersunds in the Europa League. We kick off by looking back at the biggest game of the season for North London Derby from Saturday. Let's hear from another Arsenal insider on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Well, Arsenal Media's Nick Bromsack is our Arsenal insider. Looking back, Nick, what was a pretty disappointing weekend for any Arsenal employee, fan, and you were actually there as a fan for this one, weren't you? Yeah, I was in the away end uh, on Saturday, and unfortunately... It wasn't really one to remember, more so one to forget, especially, you know, the, the weather kind of reflected everyone's mood on the day. It was it was dull and grey, unfortunately. It was, and a game that, that Arsenal actually started off fairly solidly in, didn't they? You look at the high pressing, a couple of breaks, uh, a fairly definitive game plan for that first half. The stage was potentially set to at least get something. Yeah, I, I was um, reasonably impressed with the first half, actually, I must say. I thought, um, you know, we were solid, we restricted the... the just the one shot on target, and, and I thought that uh, Harry Kane was, was largely dealt with well by Mohamed Elneny, who I, I thought played well and, and dropped into defence to you know to, to good effect as well in that first period. And I think Arsene Wenger's main frustration, looking at his quotes after the game, was that we didn't make more of those those breaks that you alluded to there. You know, there are a couple of occasions where we did well to get ourselves into a position where you thought maybe there could be a chance, but in the end, the final ball wasn't right. And when Jack Wilshere's one was was right, I think uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang was maybe a touch unfortunate to have been flagged on side because it looked as though he could have been level. But, you know, having said that, it, it was so poor after giving that first half performance, which was solid, to, to then begin the second but by going behind almost immediately because, you know, it throws your game plan out the window. It means you've got to readjust and it just plays into into the host's hands and unfortunately we weren't able to, to turn the game around despite some late pressure. And that second half, as you say, really did fall apart after that goal and Spurs could have had several more, couldn't they? Which was a, a pretty concerning state of affairs at that stage. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it was only really for some profligate finishing from, from Kane, which we're not really too used to. And and also Petr Cech making some, some decent saves as well that, that kept the score down to 1-0. But, you know, having ridden that out, I thought that 
Arsenal looked a lot better, um, especially after Danny Welbeck came on. I thought he did really well stretching the defence. Um, and he gave them a different threat to worry about. And, you know, we saw Alex Lacazette as a result get into good positions, um, partly due to the work that Welbeck was putting in on the right side. Um, and unfortunately, he couldn't finish them off because, you know, having been dominated for large swathes of that second half, it would have been great to have left with a point on things considered. Let's just hear a little bit from the boss then, from Arsene Wenger, on that disparity between the first and second half performances. Here's what he had to say to us post-match. It's, uh, you look at the physical numbers, you know, first half we were quite uh, even. In the second half, I feel that uh, some players dropped uh, physically and uh, the distances covered in the second half was inferior to their distance. They could maintain it and some players in our team cannot maintain it. Nick, just returning to a couple of points you've made in passing there, Czech and El Nenny, probably two of the uh, the big ticks from the day, if you can have such a thing on a day like that. Yeah, I thought El Nenny in particular was good. You know, he's just been named player of the month for January, so you know, it wasn't his, his first good performance. He, he has been quite solid since the turn of the year. And what I like about him is that he gives the team a bit more balance, I think. And knowing that you've got someone there who's just going to sit deep and protect the back four is good for someone like Jack Wilshire because it gives him the platform to go forward more. So I felt he was quite disciplined on any, you know, he, he was alert to danger. He snuffed it out when he could. And, and actually, when, when he went off, I thought Arsenal lost um, more of their shape, to be honest. I think he's a player who can be quite hard to replace in that situation because all of a sudden you've got someone like Jack who has to go a lot deeper, which then stunts his impact further up the pitch. So... I was impressed with him. And, and yeah, you know, the, the same with Czech. He, he made some good saves. Uh, having said that, I think had he let any of them in, you would have asked questions of him because they were all pretty much straight at him. But uh, nonetheless, showed some good reactions there to, to keep it to 1-0. And Alexandre Lacazette with a couple of good chances as he came off the bench, which he couldn't take. Um, he's just a point maybe where a goal, a bit of a confidence boost is, is what the lad needs. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it was interesting to see what the manager said about him after the game, you know, he said that he created two chances and, and spoke of the quality and being able to do that. Um, but he, he's a player who scored goals throughout his whole career and it's obviously a difficult spell for him at the moment. You know, it's his first season in a new league. He's still a time and fighting for that. He, he's just gone out of the team recently as well and, and it's one goal in 13, which is, you know, obviously concerning for him. Um, having said that, I think he's a, he's a player who has got a lot of quality and what I like about him is that he manages to get himself into those positions and hopefully... Um, with a, a bit more confidence um, and a bit more belief in himself, he'll, he'll start taking those chances because, you know, he, he does have a lot of qualities that we saw in, in the first half of the season. He's not suddenly become a, a bad player because he, he's missed a couple of chances, you know, far from it. He he was one of few Arsenal players who actually gave Tottenham difficulties when he was on the pitch. And, you know, hopefully um, he can take the positives of that into the Europa League game at, at on, on Sunday and, and hopefully things will start to turn around for him. Yeah, actually, you're right. This coming midweek could be the perfect stage for somebody just like him to maybe get a goal or two and just get that confidence really kind of flowing again. No, absolutely, yeah. You know, I think we saw that when he scored against Crystal Palace. He, uh, he looked a different player, and as soon as he, he got that goal, you could see that there was real confidence there with him. And um, obviously, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang coming in meant that he, he didn't play against Everton and he was a bit unfortunate with, with that as well because we had two injuries during the game otherwise I'm, I'm sure that he, he would have come on to play some part so I think he's someone who you know he, he's always been the main man he, he certainly was at Lyon and, and he was at Arsenal as well in, in the first half of the season so maybe he needs to, to get used to changing games from the bench at the moment and, and you know building his, his confidence his belief back up that way um, and you know hopefully 
with a few goals and a few games under his belt, he can start to really push for, for a return to a first team place in the Premier League as well. Now, Nick, we've talked about the disparity first v second half at the weekend. The wider disparity home v away is yeah. a major concern, I think, isn't it? What would you continue to put that down to? I think, you're, firstly, you're right, it, it is a major concern. And, and you know, you, you look at the stats, it's 13 points away from home in 14 games, uh, which is not good enough. And, you know, I, I actually looked back before I came on air at, at last season. It took us five games to get to that tally. So, you know, there's obviously something that's not going well at, at, away from home. It doesn't take a genius to work that out. And for me, before I come on to, to what I think it is, you know, when, when you look at the games, matches like Watford, Bournemouth, Swansea, West Brom, gone in front of every single one of those, it's returned one point. And that's frustrating because, you know, you look at those teams, you think they're all very beatable. We've all had them in positions where we should have won the game. and We've ended up with, with a solitary point and, and find ourselves, you know, seven points off the top four at the moment, you know, and you just think, if you can just somehow build up some consistency in those away games or, you know, had we been able to do that um, around the turn of the year or just before, then, you know, things would look a lot rosier at the moment. I, I think once you get into that state of 13 points from 14 games, maybe, you know, it, it can affect your belief. And Arsene Wenger was interesting on this. He was asking in his pre-match press conference, I think before the Tottenham game, about that. And he kind of rubbished it and said, look, you don't become a bad player when you play away from home. Um you know, you don't turn up thinking, oh, we're away from home today, so things aren't going to go as well. And I agree with that. I, I just think it's almost a vicious circle where you get into that situation where, you know, we were unlucky against West Brom, should have had that, that win there on New Year's Eve, and it was only a, a might Dean decision that, that cost us, really. Then you go into the Bournemouth game and you lose the league then, and then you go into the Swansea game and lose the league then. I, I think it can affect your confidence levels, you know, especially when the history is as it is this season on the road. Nick, let's just finish then with this, with the two Europa League legs to come, plus the Carabao Cup final. After everything that's gone before, does Arsenal's season pretty much hang on these next couple of weeks? I think a large proportion of it, yes, but but not entirely. You know, we have, I mean, let's not forget, you know, things always always look worse after a North London derby defeat. Um, but we, we've caught up from, you know, having a, a bigger deficit before. You know, uh, you look at the 2011-12 season when Tottenham going to the Emirates, we thought it was game over and, you know, that changed everything. And, and that was actually later on um, in the season than we are now. But having said that, look, the way things are going, you would say that the Europa League looks like a, a really good opportunity now to, to nail down that Champions League place. And that's the sense will be difficult. It's a 4G pitch. They'll be massively up for the game as well. And, and we'll need to negotiate that, that first leg well and, and make sure that, you know, we can hopefully take it any sort of lead to the Emirates for the second leg. And, and then, look, you know, I know we lost there at the weekend, but we've got a good record there in general. You know, that was our first loss in, in 10. We've, we've won our previous nine games there. We've beaten Manchester City um, a few times along the way. So, you know, I watched them against um, Leicester at the weekend and they were frightening, particularly Aguero and then players like Kevin De Bruyne. But you just think over 90 minutes, I believe this, this team can beat any... And hopefully we can do that, you know. And I you just think if if you somehow do end up winning that Carabao Cup, get yourself around to the last 16 of, of the Europa League as well, then suddenly things look a lot better and, and hopefully we can really push on from that and, and look towards a good end of the season. Well, Nick, I know you're out in Scandinavia for Arsenal uh, Media, so safe trip out there and uh, we appreciate your time as ever on the show, mate. It's always good to talk to you. Cheers, Russ. I'll make sure I wrap up all for that one.
or Academy has never really looked in better shape. And so we got Matt Macy, Ben Sheaf and Josh De Silva, as well as Reese Nelson, Eddie Nketiah and Joe Willock together for a round table chat. Uh, start, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Go on, man. Do you remember the first time you trained with the first team? You nervous? Joe? <laughs> I would say I was nervous. I was excited. I was waiting for the moment to come. How long ago do you think it was? Um, about a year ago now. Josh, you're quite a nervous guy. <laughs> 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 this guy's um, yeah, I was actually pretty nervous, to be fair. Like, obviously, you always want to train with the first team, but when you actually get there, yeah, I was a bit nervous, but yeah, it went well, so yeah, I enjoyed it. It was good. Where is the shirt you wore on your debut now? On my wall. Framed. Nice. Got it for Christmas. Nice. Mine's folded up in my drawer at home. Sure. Yeah, my locker waiting to get framed. I think my dad has it. Has it in his... Me some wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> he puts all our shirts in his wardrobe. Does it feel special, all of us making our debuts in the same season? Yeah, yeah. I think it is, yeah. 100%. For the academy as well, and Hayden as a whole as well, because I think everyone came from Hayden here. Yeah. Oh, from that. Yeah, but I'm everyone ben. came. And Ben. But all the other boys came from Hayden, so I think it's a big achievement for Hayden, so round of applause for Hayden. Would you make of Eddie's goal celebration then for you? I weren't surprised at all, to be fair. <laughs> no one Ed, no weren't surprised at all, but yeah, it's good. It was a good moment for him, his family, and everyone else. So. I was a too happy with his celebration, to be fair. I thought he was a bit selfish. <laughs> <laughs> I let him have his moment. Have you heard an intuition song yet? Who has done the worst one that you've seen? Charlie, bro. Charlie, 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 whether I'll be given the opportunity and whether I'll be able to take it is another thing. But I think I still got a long way to class as going to the first team. But you know, it's very good for me to make my debut, so it's a step in the right direction. Yeah, when I when I came, I always had that goal in mind. But honestly, there was times in the last four years where I thought like the opportunity wouldn't come. Yeah. Like, I think the opportunity would pass, but. Football's funny, it just changes really quickly. And With, like, being a keeper, like, your chance must come a little bit later than outfield players, if you get what I mean. Yeah, that's, that's what I mean. It's sort of, there's a lot of waiting around for an opportunity. But, like I said, like, there's just one or two injuries and then, and then you're in, so... What first-team player do you go to for advice the most, Reese? I was doing a little bit with um, Lacazette. Um, <laughs> <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> no, we, was doing a, we was doing a little bit of Lacazette and... Um, what were you doing? A little bit of shooting. Shooting? You, yeah. Alex as well. Just on his combination play, I think he's very good at that. Just one, one and two touch. And then went to release the ball as well. What are you, Ben? Uh, for me, it's um, probably Per. Because obviously Per, is the, uh, he's a very experienced player. Positionally, what to do here, where do you play this pass? But uh, also, off the pitch things as well, like he's... Uh, you can you can chat to him about them sort of things. He's he's like that. I feel like when you're on the pitch with someone, it's just a game of football. Like you, you get over the fact that who they are and they just want to get, win the game. And yeah, we've been playing all our lives, so it's not we don't get starstruck. Like Especially that. at this club, I think it's such a family oriented club. So you know we all feel welcome and able to talk to everyone on a you know honest level and 
Yeah. What was going through your mind when you walked onto the pitch? To be, to be fair, I was pretty scared, obviously playing that position. I just wanted to embrace the moment, like, just do the simple stuff, do everything early and just try to take the opportunity, really. I've done so much work and it's been such a long journey to get here that I just believe that I'd worked hard enough that everything would go my way. This one's for Eddie still. Are you getting recognised in the street? Have any fans come up to you? Uh, a little bit, probably after the game, the Norwich game, but not too much to be fair. Probably when I go central London or in and around the stadium, you know, a few fans ask for pictures. But you know, it's nice, isn't it? It's what you you've always dreamed of as a kid. So it's nice to get recognition, you know, when you do also. Yeah, um, a few times it's a nice. <laughs> 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 It's a nice feeling, man. Um, just like all your hard work's paid off, so when you do get recognised, it's just uh, you get that feeling inside that um, everything you've done and you've. Um... <laughs> <laughs> you got to stop being silly, man. <laughs> stop being silly, bro. <laughs> what surprised you the most about being in the first team dressing room? Older in our dressing room, and then when the youngest in there, so like different things like the music they play the music, we have to listen to what they listen to, listen to like Pearl's music, them sort of things. Like we're not really tend to be loud. We can keep ourselves ourselves, but I think in other aspects like different preparations, skills and stuff that they do, we do anyway. So it's easier for us to adapt. What's the biggest lesson you've learned from working with the first team? I think you've got to be always switched on over there, I think. When you're training over there, and, like, you'd give a sloppy pass, they'll get on to you, so... I think being switched on and knowing the right pass to play. Yeah, like what Reese said, I think, that like, every day is, like... Every single training session is massively important because they're working to a big game every weekend, so you can't have a day off, basically. What's the biggest difference between under-23s and first-team football? The speed of the, the game is much quicker. Pressure on the mistakes, that if you make a mistake... Um, yeah. yeah, so it's not necessarily the speed, in my opinion. I think it's the pressure. If you lose, like, it actually it means something like to all the fans and everything. So, yeah, I think there's a lot more pressure on the games. Did you have a goal celebration plan for the game? Uh, yeah, I tried to. Because I always believe that I'm going to score, but obviously I haven't scored. But I lived the moment before I actually do it. Last game, I planned to... Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I think it was the love heart. It was my mom's birthday, so I was going to do a love heart to the camera for my mom. Uh, I just use, you know, I just do my usual celebrations, but when you score, you know, like the emotions get the better of you, so it was really all the freestyle, but yeah, looking back on it, apart from pushing Joe, I'm quite happy with how it went. <laughs> what does making your debut ranking your achievement so far? Top of the pile for me. Yeah. Yeah. Be there, Best moment, yeah. Best Along- moment of my career so far. Alongside um, winning the Euros in the 19s with England. <laughs> 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 Sorry. 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 Have you seen anyone and about in your shirt with your number on it? I have, to be fair. I was on escalators. Just going down, um, I think Westford, and I saw some guy going walking up the stairs. <laughs> and I was just, I was so happy, man. So happy seeing that, 61. Has anything changed in your life since making your debut? Uh, no, not really, to be honest. Because I think it's just another stepping stone in the right direction. Like another box ticked, that's, what I, that's the way I look at it. After your debut, how many extra followers did you get on socials? <laughs> not, not, not too many, to be honest. Maybe a, a thousand, maybe not even that. So it weren't like a massive like influx of followers, it was just gradual. But, um, yeah, maybe like a thousand. Sometimes they give their opinions on how you played. <laughs> and what you done in the game, what they, you should have done, what they would have done. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one, that's the one, yeah. And I just look at it, I know which I don't reply, but it's, yeah. You've got to laugh, it's good to one. see sometimes. You've got to laugh, man. Who was the first person you spoke to after your debut? And what did you say? Um, my family, because they're in the family room watching afterwards, so I saw them and my agent and people like that and just thank them for helping me on the journey, really. Did anyone's family cry? Yeah. My brother. My brother, my mum. I think they've been putting in the graft as well from a young age as well. Like, my brother used to take me on the train when, when I was playing at a team called Moonshot every day. And my sister was doing days when she, had, she was pregnant as well. So I think the journey comes with your family as well. So just a nice touch. We covered a lot. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you very much for your time. Oh, cool. Thank you. Cheers. All right, guys, take it easy. The Chalkboard with Adrian Clark. Well, delighted to say that Adrian Clark joins me at the uh, Chalkboard. Clark, you're looking quite slender today. What's going on? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just on a bit of a health kick at, kick at the moment. So, yeah, just trying to get myself back into... Back in the shape, back down to my playing weight, potentially. I don't think that's going to happen, but that's, that's the aim. Your soya milk in the canteen, I saw, is it? <laughs> no, I'm not into that, sorry. Not going that far. Good stuff. Adrian Clark is looking sharp ahead of what is actually increasingly such an important game for Arsenal, isn't it? And it's their only game in the coming days, the way things have fallen. Away to Ostersunds. We'll get on to the game in a bit, but our question at the chalkboard, theirs has been a serious fairy tale rise. 
What's your favourite football fairy tale? Oh, yeah, well, it has been. I mean, when Graham Potter, the current manager, took over, they're in the fourth tier of Swedish football, so it's been unbelievable. Oh, I, look, I, th I just think the Leicester City winning the Premier League title is the greatest, greatest story ever told, not just in football, in, in sport, in terms of where they were going into that season to then go and win the Premier League. I just think it was... It was just unreal, and I think we should all feel kind of privileged to have been around for it, because I, I can't see that happening again, a story like that. Internationally, I think the Scandinavian story where, where Denmark were, were not involved in the Euros in, in uh, 92, and then they got... Uh, called up from the beach, uh, mythologically, and uh, and then went on to win to win the tournament with John Jensen scoring a winning goal and then and then signing for us um, just a few months later. So I think Denmark is is a big one, but uh, you, you can't beat Leicester. And obviously the fact it's all fallen apart so much since, unfortunately, in many yeah, sense. Like, it actually adds to it, though, I think. It's almost the fact that it make, makes it clear you can't keep this sort of thing yeah. up and it's a once-in-a-lifetime at best. I guess so, yeah. But I still think that's a really good team. I know they were battered yeah. by City uh, last time out, but, um, yeah, that, that, that was just crazy. Let's move on, then, to the game itself. How critical that Arsenal just react to what happened last weekend and just go out there, no matter who they pick, but just do the job. It's very important. Yeah, it's it's a hugely pivotal match in the season. Like Arsenal haven't played very well, have they, away from home this season? Uh, the record is in the Premier League. I, I can't quite get my head around it. When you consider, I think really only City have got a better home record than Arsenal, but but the Gunners you know, strictly mid-table in terms of their away form. So um, so look, they have to focus hard. They have to realise that even though it's not in a big environment, it'll be in front of a pretty small crowd. Um, that this is a huge game. This is as big as any other match they've been involved in this season because the Europa League is is not the be or an end all, but I think, in my opinion, it's it should be now be the focus of the season because Arsenal can get themselves into the Champions League via the Europa League. I believe it's possible. It, it's not a gimme. They have to play brilliantly to make it happen. But I think there's more chance. I genuinely, and it pains me to say this, I think there's more chance of qualifying for the Champions League via the Europa League now than, than in the league. Well, it's been done before by other clubs. It is very, very achievable. We know about Arsenal's away form problems of late, potentially hazardous playing conditions as yeah. well, yeah. as we understand it this coming midweek. It's a huge amount at play, isn't there, for Arsene Denga to kind of balance in terms of his wider approach to the, to the two legs? Yeah, um... I th well, I've heard Arsene Wenger say that he he's not going to completely prioritise the Europa League, uh, but he I also uh, read that he's going to pick a very strong team because there's no Premier League action uh, in between. So that's good news. Uh, I'd, I'd welcome that. In terms of the conditions, yeah, not, not ideal, but you have to man up, don't you? You have to adjust to whatever circumstances you're in. And do you know what? Look, everyone is probably thinking Arsenal are a bit soft at the moment. They look at that away form and say, oh, look, when the going gets tough, is this bunch of players, have they got the metal to, to deliver? Well, this is an opportunity, isn't it, for them to go to a tricky place in what we expect to be awful conditions in front of a hostile but small crowd and actually turn in a really professional, 
dogged, determined display. That's the challenge, and that would be the challenge I'd be setting the players ahead of kickoff. So, what do you do player-wise? How do you treat it, in your view, in terms of who maybe gets a game, who gets a start, whose confidence <laughs> needs building, who needs a bit nah, of momentum? No, forget, forget confidence. This is, you pick your best team. You pick the team that you think has got the best chance of winning this match. Um, what that team is, I guess, is open to debate. I think after the weekend, there'll be some of the fringe players will be thinking, I, could, I, I might get a game here. We know that Aubameyang won't play. So, for, for me, Lacazette, great opportunity for him to remind everyone what a good player he is. And look, those two chances that he missed at the weekend, OK, yeah, he'll wish he'd done better. But the runs that got him there were excellent. They were outstanding. So, I don't think he should lose too much confidence. Yeah, I'd pick Mkhitaryan, I'd pick, I'd pick the lot of them. Um, but, but it's in that central midfield area where we can improve. But look, at the moment, Arsene Wenger's only got a certain number of players he can choose from. And uh, it'll be fascinating to see which, which route he takes. And Clarky, one other layer of this whole thing to consider as well is with the Carabao Cup final in mind, trying to get this one put to bed in leg one is all the more critical, arguably. Well, it would be a bonus, wouldn't it? Yes. Um, not ideal, I guess, to, to play that second leg um, just a few days before the Carabao Cup final. But, but look, it is what it is. And I don't expect Arsenal to go there and wallop this team. They, they have a, a good record, very disciplined under Graham Potter, who's just done an unbelievable job. And he will have a, he will have a game plan here. Very smart young coach. So... Don't go thinking this is going to be an absolute thrashing. I think the second leg will be alive and Arsenal have just got to, got to get on with it. They, they are having breaks in between. You know, the, the, by being out of the FA Cup, it does give them the opportunity to, to rest up. So, look, absolutely no excuses. That they should, they should prevail in, the, in this last 32 clash and they should still be in great condition for that cup final. And, look... We're going to be underdogs for the game against City, but we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. I'm talking of smart young coaches. If we were going to put your smart young coaches hat on for your five-second team talk for Arsenal, preparing to trudge out potentially in the snow, what would you say? Well, I'd probably get my projector out and put the stats from that Tottenham defeat onto the, onto the whiteboard and just say, look, look at this. Look how Tottenham outran us. Look how Tottenham created these, this many chances against us. Look, look how they won their duels and their tackles. It has to improve. You have to, you have to play much, much better in this game. From that to this. Brain of Arsenal. Brain of Arsenal returns. Delighted to say that Liam Roberts, the Arsenal Weekly Podcast editor, is here in the studio. Liam, can't wait. Bring it on. Uh, yeah, Brain of Arsenal, voice of Arsenal over here. Like, people won't know, but we've been recording for about half an hour because you've just had the mother of all coughing fits. So I did, I did. I hope it's, you it's can get through this. It's a much utilised voice, this, at the moment. Yeah, so. I hope you can get through this, because if you can't deliver your answers, it's going to be a default victory. Can, uh, can Colin Lewin fix throats? <laughs> 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 it was almost a default 4-0 when I did try to do it a couple of weeks ago. So, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, last week, Russ, you were successful week one of Santi Cazorla, so you're uh, into week two. Yeah. Adrian, you uh, you lost that with your uh, Liverpool four Arsenal four topic, and yeah. you've moved on to a new topic this week. Yeah, yeah, I've gone for I, I don't know why I've done this. Nineteen seventy <laughs> seventy one double winning season. I know it's a it's a campaign. A lot of the older Arsenal fans still still Did cherish. You panic? You didn't think you were going to lose? So I, well, I, yeah, I, no, actually, I always think I'm going to lose. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so no, I did I did have this as a backup, but yeah, I, I, I might regret it. Let's see. Cool. So, so your turn. Do yeah, you I, go I'll first? go go first. Yeah. yeah. Get 
out of the way like it. Okay, so four questions on the 1971 double winning season. Question one, how many points did we win the league with? 65. Correct. And I looked at it. it, it if, if it had been three points back in those days, it would have been 94. So it was a really, it was a really good campaign. Good season. Question two. So we won the league at White Hart Lane, as the song goes. But what was the score in the reverse fixture at Highbury? Oh, you... Oh, 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 Assuming we won. Um, yeah, 2-0. Correct. Oh, <laughs> I'm locked out big time. <laughs> Seems to be your tactic, doesn't it? <laughs> Just luck out. Question three. Eddie Kelly scored the equaliser in the FA Cup final, mm -hmm. but which piece of history did he make in the process? Oh, I know this one. Yeah, Eddie Kelly, he, he became the first substitute to ever score in the FA Cup final. Correct. Mm -hmm. Thought I might have you on that one. That's a <laughs> good effort. And question four, who knocked us out of the League Cup? Who knocked us out of the League Cup? Yeah, no, this is one as well. Um, it was, and a real shock, actually, uh, Crystal Palace. It was, after a replay. 0-0 first game. Boom. Four points. That's uh, They weren't easy questions as well, so I'll give you that. that was, yeah. uh, that's, uh, that's a good effort. Thank you very much. I think I might just have another coffee picture. <laughs> <laughs> now, you need the points. Remember, even if you okay. lose, you need the points. So, uh, week two, Santi Cazorla. OK. Questions start now. Jesus, this is a horrible one. Oh no. How many minutes did Santi play in Spain's Euro 2012 campaign in the finals? Oh dear. It was a bit of a shock when he went to the finals. He was picked ahead of yep. a couple of players. He was, you're right. And of course they won. This is a really hard question. Well, you're acting like you might know this. No. Yeah. So. Well, there will be three group stage games. You're overthinking this. I wouldn't overthink it. <laughs> okay. Don't overthink it. All right, you know, it's going to be low, say... isn't it? It's going to be low. I know. I was going to say naught, but that would be ridiculous. Because he has a medal. There again, he was part of the school. I'm going to say naught. 16. So oh. Came in for the last 10 minutes in the Republic of Ireland game and then six minutes in the that's, a, that's a horrendous question. Yes, yeah, it's a horrible first question. Sorry. Thank you. Question two, um, who was Santi's last appearance for us to date against? It was against Ludigret Razgrad. Correct. Question three, it's another horrible one, sorry. <laughs> so, um, Mkhitaryan a couple of weeks ago against Everton. Yep. Got three assists. Yep. Last player to do that was Santi against Reddin for us. But how many assists in total does he have for us? See, I thought he was going to go somewhere else because there was a game where Santi got four assists in a match against Wigan. Oh, I thought you were going down that route. Ah. It's tough, isn't it? I mean, I wouldn't know. So, hang on. So, this is going to be really nice. In all competitions. Yeah. So, he played 180 games in all competitions and he scored 29 goals. I can tell you both of those facts for sure. Oh, assists. I'm looking at this column that I read on the tube on the way in. I'm trying to remember what it said. 37,47,47,47,47,47,47,47,47,47,47,47,47,47,47,47,47,47,47,47,47,47,47,47,47,47,47,47,47,47,47,47,47,47,47,47,47,47,47,47,47,47,47,47,47,47,47,47,47,47,
No. No. No, it was Tottenham and Coventry City. Right. Tough questions. But they were. I don't feel I did awfully then, to be honest. It wasn't great, though, was it? <laughs> well, got one, close with another. 4-1, Major and Close with two more. Yeah. 4-1, uh, end yeah. of. I've still, got a whole, yeah, yeah. I've still got a whole season to work with on the questions. <laughs> That's good. So, moving yeah. on. Continuing my ev evolution from my defeats, uh, Santi signed at the same time, or give or take a few days, to Lucas Podolski. So, let's go with the pod. Loves, loves a player, don't you? I do. You love doing a player. At the moment, there's one little run of players at the moment. Clarky, congratulations. Thank you. When can we see or hear you again? Uh, you'll hear me, actually, uh, on commentary for the Ostersons game. Um, that'll be uh, live on the Match Day show. You'll be hearing the, uh, the commentary after Dan does his pre-match build-up. Well, the final word this week belongs to our little Mozart, Thomas Radzitski, who returned to Emirates Stadium for a very special interview at halftime during the Everton game last weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, you know what to do. Please welcome home our little Mozart, Thomas Radzitski! <laughs> well, there you go, Thomas. Welcome home. Great to see you back in North London. Uh, you announced your retirement just ahead of Christmas. How have you been enjoying your retirement so far? Um, it's okay at the moment. I'm uh, keeping busy, so it's all right. It's okay. Uh, what, what, how, are you, how are you keeping busy? What are you up to? So basically, I, I started uh, in a new role in Sparta Prague, so it's very interesting and we, uh, we will see uh, where it goes from there. Okay, all right then. I was going to ask you, what's the strangest thing about not playing football anymore and the hardest thing to adapt to? Because I guess the whole routine has changed for you, hasn't it? Um, yeah, as I say, I started something new, so the, basically the routine stayed the same, so the big difference is I, uh, I'm not kicking the ball anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so getting used to a new role. Um, let's talk about your 10 years here at Arsenal. When you announced your retirement, Arsene Wenger said he had all the football qualities to play the game we love here, and to say that Thomas Rosicki was the perfect player for Arsenal Football Club. So let's take you right back to when it all began for you here at Arsenal. We've got that first match that you took part in. Uh, this was in the Champions League, if I remember. What are your memories of wearing the Arsenal shirt for the first time, and did you feel like the perfect player for this club straight away? Uh, yeah, I always want to play, wanted to play for Arsenal. So I, I knew I'm at the right place, so I felt straight away very, very well in between the boys, and uh, I enjoyed the style of football what Arsenal played, so I felt very well straight away. A very special night for you there, making your Arsenal debut uh, in the Champions League. You scored 28 goals in your Arsenal career, Thomas. Do you have a favourite? Because I know we quite liked it when you scored against Spurs. Uh, that's obviously my favourite as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have a look at those Spurs goals. Is there one in particular of these that you like best? Uh, the one at White Hart Lane uh, was not bad at all. And uh, it was... Uh, after two minutes, so it was, it was a great goal. Yeah. I think we've got that one, this one, you mean, yeah? Yeah, this one, what I mean, yeah. yeah. Talk us through this one, then. What's it like to score in the North London derby, Thomas? Yeah, I always understood the, the meaning of the derby. I knew what does it... 
I knew uh, what does it meant uh, to the fans. So uh, obviously, I enjoyed that one, and uh, it was great to silence the crowd at White Hart Lane. Yeah. yeah, fantastic stuff. We've got another goal uh, to look at now. This is one that Arsene Wenger said was one of the greatest goals that we've ever scored. Let's have a look at the screen. Talk us through your memory of this one. A real team goal, this. Yeah, obviously, this is the great team goal because there are so many players involved in the in the in that move, and uh, I think that's what all the players and all. All the players and all the fans want to see here from Arsenal. It's a wonderful goal. We saw some great team goals today as well, of course. Um, in that season, later on in that season, you won your first FA Cup, coming on as a substitute against Hull City. Uh, what was it like winning that first trophy for Arsenal, especially in such a dramatic final? Uh, it meant uh, a great deal because it was after a very long time when, uh, when we won, uh, won a trophy again. So for the players and for the fans, it was something special and it was a, it was a great day. Yeah, fantastic stuff. And on the FA Cup run in 2015, you had a, a standout match as well, didn't you? Arsene Wenger said, if you love football, you love Thomas Rosicki. This one against Brighton. You were man of the match this day and captain as well, Thomas. Got a goal and an assist. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was... Uh, what I remember, it was a, quite a tough game. But again, always when you score, you always remember it. And uh, again, it was a nice goal, yeah. In your um, 10 years here at Arsenal, there must have been some very special moments, but that, that final match day of that season in 2016, when you got the, the walk of honour, the guard of honour, um, tell us your memories of that, because leaving here after 10 years, it must have been incredibly emotional for you, seeing the players wearing your number. Yeah, it was a difficult day for me, because I spent uh, 10 years here and I got uh, really attached to, the, to Arsenal, so it was uh, difficult to leave. But uh, it was great to see the respect what the fans and, uh, and my teammates gave me, so it was nice in the end. And you've always had a great relationship with these Arsenal fans. Have you got a message for them to thank them for 10 years of incredible support? Uh, probably I would say thank you again, because uh, we always had a great relationship and uh, I always played with pride, with Arsenal shirt, and I think they could see it. So uh, thank you again, it was, it was great ride. Fantastic stuff. Well, just before we let you go and watch the second half, Thomas, um, now that you've officially retired, we can tell you that you can enjoy membership to the exclusive 100 Club here at Arsenal Football Club. Now, the 100 Club was actually formed back in 2013 with the aim of formally recognising some of Arsenal's great former players. And with 170 league appearances, Thomas, you are now our 75th member of the 100 Club. And I'd like to ask the Chips Keswick Arsenal chairman to come in and present you with your official tie and membership pack. Ladies and gentlemen, the Arsenal chairman and the newest member of our 100 Club, Thomas Rosicki! Well, that's full time on this week's show. Our thanks to Matt Macy, Ben Chief, and Josta Silva, as well as to Eddie Nketiah, Reese Nelson, and Joe Willock. Plus, don't forget Thomas Trudzitsky, Adrian Clark, and Nick Brumsack for all their contributions today. We'd like to know how we're doing on the podcast, so please leave us a rating and review on iTunes. You can subscribe as well and find us on Acast. Remember as well to get your questions in for Clarkie at the chalkboard on Twitter using the hashtag ArsenalWeekly. We're back on Monday, the 19th of February, and also the Arsenal Weekly Podcast Stories is currently available. Getting the full story of Amy Lawrence's excellent 89 film. We'll hear from Amy and executive producer Lee Dixon, as well as a host of players, celebrities and coaches, all connected to that famous night. The Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.